Happy Hour listeners. Zach here. I've got some really good news. If you go to 9to5Mac.com slash store, you can buy 9to5Mac and 9to5Mac Happy Hour merchandise for the first time. We're talking shirts, sweatshirts, probably hoodies. I think it's early, so I'm not so sure. In lots of colors, lots of really cool designs that our designer Parker created and uh, my esteemed colleague Chance Miller put the store together. It's really cool. It's all through Cotton Bureau. So you know it's going to be really good. And everything is priced to be affordable, not to make money for us. So I think everyone's going to find something that they will like. And the best news is you can order now and receive before Christmas, which is rare this time of the year. So we're really excited about making this possible. I know that I ordered three shirts Two include references to happy hour. And I ordered a onesie for my stepsister who is due to um, give birth to uh, a new baby on December 30th. And I, I'm excited to, to believe that it will be the first baby with a 9 to 5 mech onesie, um, at least in 2022, which we're really close to. So again, everyone, thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode and go to, hey, that's my doorbell. 9to5mac.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and enjoy the episode. Bye. We, t- we talked a few weeks ago about the COVID vaccination cards in the wallet mm-hmm. app, you know, the, the digital proof of, of card. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned it at the time, but, like, I, I didn't have my, my, my card when I went for my second shot um, earlier this year, and I guess it was in April. And uh, so I had no card and no proof, you know, I just, had to, I never needed it, but if I did need it, I wouldn't have had it. Um, and I, I went, I went back this week for the, the booster and for the, for the third shot, uh, it had been six months from the previous one, the previous second shot. And so um, when I was there, it's just like, a, they were like, do you have your card? And I was like, no, I never got this. I, I forgot to bring it on the second shot and don't have it. And so they 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 gave me a new card and filled it out and you know with the previous dates because it was all through Walgreens and they had it all on record, um, and I was like, oh cool, I finally have a card now. Um, and and then just today I was poking around about an hour ago in the Walgreens iPhone app, and I could always see like my record there of having the shots, but um today I, I i stumbled upon that you can access the qr code that they talk about in the apple support documents to add it to the wallet app um and it was i was like i was curious like what am i going to do with this qr code to get it in there um but i long pressed it and then one of the preview links one of the options and that came up in like the little pop-up thing was to open like the the url version of the of the health app it was like apple.health yeah, yeah, yeah um and so I tapped that and then it just, it just worked. <laughs> it's like, okay, I have, well, the funny thing is though, um, the, 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 uh, the, the, the vaccination cards in the wallet app, they're not ready for boosters yet because it just shows shot one, shot two, and you can't do shot three yet on there, which, which, uh, if you, if, I don't know if you recall this, but, um, or if you saw this, but when, when the first card was going around, you know, thinking it's going to be important to keep around, um, Office Depot did free lamination of that card. And so, so, you know, it wouldn't get messed up in the washing machine or something. Oh, but But then people later needed to put other bits on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I did... It didn't go so well, uh, but but I was I was very happy to be able to to to, to summon my my 
my uh, immunization card in the wallet app. Um, the iOS for, thing is funny that it doesn't support the uh, the boost. Yeah. It's like, what were they going to do? An, an update, a software update for every every variant? Like, uh, 15.3 I mean, adds Omicron support, you know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, they're already behind for this, this, this the third shot stuff, which I guess is in, even in some states. I, I think California is pretty late to, to make it um, open to all adults or, or anyone who could, could get the shot. So, um, so yeah, got, got it in there. Um, let's, let's talk about the next thing. Apple music. Well, why, why are you sad about Apple music? Mayo? Well, it is the season as it were for the holidays. And this time of year, you get to go on social media and see everybody else post about, uh, their Spotify unwrap stuff, you know, like everyone's doing the end of the year stuff. Apple had a lot of, uh, you know, top of the year, top 100 best apps, best podcast, best music, etc. But the thing that like, it's closest to home is when you just go on Twitter and like for one day on like the first of December or whatever, everybody like it feels like everyone on the, on your feed is just here's my top songs of the year, here's my top highs, here's my top playlists. And obviously Spotify does podcasts now as well, so you see like, oh here's the podcast instinct most. It's like you you walk over to the uh the sad choir of the Apple Music app and it's like, well, Here's your replay playlist of like, well, here's what you listen to the most uh, for your next year. And you can go on the music.apple.com website and they give you like slightly more visualization. So you get like, you know, a bit more of a timeline look. But Mm -hmm. for a start, you have to go to the actual website to generate that. You can't just see it in the app. There's no like easy way to share it or anything. And even if you are count, even if you're ignoring the, you know, the native to web stuff and the Apple Music app on the web is mediocre at best. Uh, the Spotify is just you know, much nicer in that regard. Like, just what they show you is just way more limited and just way less fun. Like, we, I'm, I'm sure this was a topic on this show almost a year ago, right? I use Apple Music. I don't use Spotify. Uh, not that I don't think Spotify is bad or anything. It's just like, in and in some ways, Spotify clearly has more features and whatnot. But I'm not going to pay for Spotify on top of you know Apple One, which includes Apple Music. Like, I'd be like doubling my bill for no reason, or like adding fifty percent extra onto the, onto what I pay every month. But it just feels like one of those things that, like, it can't be that hard for them to do, but they just have refused to do it so far. And every single year since, I say, about 2018, when Oliver Trusser took over as, like, head of Apple Music, every year since then, they've done pretty meaningful updates to Apple Music. Like, every major iOS version, it gets a lot better. They had, like, lyrics, you know, and Spotify has only just added lyrics, for instance. And obviously, this year, their big push was for the, the lossless and the spatial audio stuff. But I really think they need to... Uh, get some priority on you know some better graphs charts little like shareable thing that you could just have an equivalent to spotify and rap on because all the memes come out as well like you have like the first hour of everyone just sharing their spotify and rap and then like two hours later on trending it's just like apple music and you click on it and it's just these a uh, hundred different memes of like spongebob or like squidward from spongebob squarepants it's like apple music user just on his own in the in the little cafe it's just, you know <laughs> And it happens like every single year, like on point every single year it comes around. So they really need to uh, clean that up because it just makes you feel bad. You like you feel like you're on the wrong side, you know. Well, you, you get your present delivered to you with Spotify and with Apple Music. You have to go. You have to remember to go to music.apple.com/replay. <laughs> good luck and get like a present that's not as good. <laughs> and be yeah, and be underwhelmed by it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Uh... I've I've never I've never used Spotify as like a Spotify customer. I, I I used Beat Music, you know, in the three months before it was bought and closed, you know, from Apple. Um, and 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 so I never and that was around the same time as Spotify was was getting more popular. So I never used Spotify, but 
Um, that's that. that it's, it's one situation where I seriously do have like just felt left out because <laughs> it's, it's like I, well, I I play a lot of music. I like music a lot. You know, I can't can't do the thing. But. Isn't there some like promo going around at the moment as well where you can like try Spotify for like three months or something for cheap or something like that? You pay ten dollars and you get um, three months of service, and then it's ten dollars a month after that. Yeah. Like I've I, I've used Spotify a bit. But I've ne- I, I've used the free tier. I've used the the paid tier like for a couple of months. So just to try stuff out. And I generally prefer the Apple Music interface. Uh, obviously, Spotify excels with like some more of its social features. And the, the, but the biggest thing that comes to me just like day to day outside of the you know the gimmicky Spotify and rap stuff is just the Spotify app is so much more responsive to like load stuff. Like that's the one thing I notice every single time you use them. Like you click on something and then boom, it's just right there on Apple Music. I'd say like four out of the five tabs at the bottom. Every time you click on them, it's like, here's a loading spinner. Okay, now you're going to wait like four seconds. Okay, it's loaded in. And then you click on something. It's like loading a a very slow website every time you click on something, apart from when you're in like the library tab, which is obviously like rendered locally. But the other tabs are like clearly some kind of like thinly wrapped web view. And it's just always so slow. Whereas you go on like Spotify and everything you tap on is like, it just appears so much quicker. So outside of the you know, the fun visualization stuff. One of the things that I really hope Apple's working on for like music app improvements is just making it much faster to do stuff. Because it just feels it feels like you're talking to like the iTunes server from twenty ten, you know, like from a decade ago. And probably in many ways you actually are, which is why it's in this state, but they obviously need to to fix that up. Yeah. That's one of those things where I didn't think about it as as this isn't working the way it should until people started to mention it. And every time it happens now, I'm triggered by it. It's like, this is this happens every single time. Like it had, you know, once you load that that first page, it 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 remembers it for a little while, but uh, but it doesn't refresh it automatically. Either. No, so that's that's I, true too. So something that's actually been a more recent experience is since getting my you know new shiny laptop with its gazillion gigabytes of RAM, I, I'm much less prone to closing apps, right? Uh, whereas on my old laptop, I would have to be a bit more um, diligent about that. But on this one, it's like okay, I just leave the music app open, or even it's just you know just not playing anything, but it's just open. So then I come back the next day sometimes and click on the music app and then you see like the for you stuff and it's like, here's today's playlist. But it's, it, yeah, and it says updated today, but it's actually just the state that it was in a day ago and you have to like manually refresh it just for it to, you know, update again. It's like stuff like that. They just need to sort it out. <laughs> more and more problems is what they say. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I use Spotify to subscribe to this podcast and make sure it works right. And Fair. and I've and I've been I, I've seen uh, some of our colleagues who use Spotify. They were complaining today that um, the the podcast stuff that, that, that they're trying it for music or they use it for music. Um, and then like Tesla drivers, especially you know that, that's the native music player. If you want to have a streaming service built in um, without having to use Bluetooth or something, and um, and but but they're like the podcast stuff is. If wish there was a way to just turn it off and say I only want to use this for music. And, Mm-hmm. I have a podcast app that I use instead. But. I, I mean, they're never going to offer that though because it goes. It, yeah, the whole reason Spotify's added podcasts is because it's cheaper for them than paying for the music licensing. Like the way they make more money is by making more people listen to podcasts while they're in the Spotify app. Uh, so they're never going to do stuff like that. Um, even though it would probably help people. Like, like if you're paying for Spotify Premium, they probably could maybe swing it. But <laughs> that is <yeah>. true. <laughs> I mean, they could almost have like a pay more to just to make the stuff go away. But I, I, I mean, I have similar complaints about that with the TV app and stuff. But anyway, that's a different conversation. Anything highlighted from like the Apple best of the year stuff? Uh, 
They said iPhone app of the year was Toka Life World, which is like the Toka Boka series, which has been around mm-hmm. forever. So it's kind of like, I, and I swear they've 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 promoted Toka Boka stuff before. iPad app of the year was Luma Fusion, nice app, but again, doesn't feel like the the thing with the App Store at the moment is that I don't feel like we have those kind of breakthrough apps anymore. So like, if you look at this entire rundown, it's all kind of stuff that's been around a while. You know, like Apple Watch app of the year, Carrot Weather. Like we, lo- I love Carrot Weather. I think it's cool, but. You know, it's not new. It's like it's been around a while, and they've they featured carrot weather. I'm sure for the iPhone before and stuff. But and it's a nice indie developer feature. But there's nothing on this list that's like, wow, this really was like. Even even if you include like the pandemic stuff, right? None nothing on this list is like this is, you know, been an emergent in terms of usage or you know forging a new direction. The the App Store is kind of not done, but just kind of like matured to the point where you're not seeing anything like surprisingly new from the iPhone and the iPad App Store anymore. I, I would have featured on the list if I were up to me, uh, at least like one food delivery service or, um, you know, consumer goods delivery service, because those have become essential in the last 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 year, last two years. Um, the the iPad app of the year, though, it was the weather app from Apple. So I was. Cool. <laughs> oh, no, it's a limit fusion. There's no weather app on that. But, um, yeah, what was among- their trend of the year? They The App Store it, team said it was connection, connect- right? Yeah, connection. This is they said. um uh, this this year's trend winners brought people together in meaningful ways uh, while meeting social, personal, and professional needs for users around the world. Uh, Among Us, the game, was was one of the apps that uh, was was chosen for this in, in that category, in the trend of the year category. Um, and my my kids do play. Well, my 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 stepdaughter plays Among Us, and my son knows what Among Us is, and he says "sus" and "imposter" like he like no other. Um, but they they both play Roblox together. And um, I've seen as as the conversation of you know whatever the heck metaverse is becomes a trend. Um, I've seen Roblox mentioned as as one of the good ways to do a metaverse because of the tools included that you can you can structure it the way that you want. But um, I so I, so I, I was sort of you know I had as a sort of thinking about that. It's like is the Roblox thing is that like you know like the way that you would never feature something from the makers of Fortnite now, or, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a thing there, but, um, but, but yeah, so I thought about that, but, and I, and I actually, um, over the Thanksgiving break, um, last, last week in the U S I was, uh, I, I have Roblox on my phone for when I give it to my son to play and, but it's my account. And then he has it on his iPad and I surprised him and I joined the world that he was in. Like, um, it was like a superhero tycoon thing. And uh, I, I joined and I showed up and uh, showed him I was playing. And he, and he, it was really a cool moment because he, he realized that I was playing the game that he plays all the time. And it was cool because like, he really appreciated that he, I was right there in the game with him. Um, so I, I know uh, that that's, it's, it's not a new concept, but it was, it was kind of a cool experience. So. Yeah. Um, and then not, uh, not, not an app of the year though. Not happened yeah. <laughs> uh, and then finally, like they they once again talked about the product red stuff, and I think I must have brought this up before, but I always found it a bit like not underhand, but a bit slimy or something that they never share like what percentage of a product red purchase from Apple actually goes to the charity, even though they trade on the brand so much. Like, and this year they again haven't shared the uh, the breakdown, but we we have more information in terms of like strict numbers because. Exactly a year ago, on the 1st of December 2020, they said that 
the product red campaign on Apple had raised $250 million, right? And fast forward exactly a year, they now say it's nearly $270 million. So if you do basic math, in one year, they've gone up $20 million. And now, there are more product red products now than ever. Than ever. And you have to imagine, like, just on the uh, the product red iPhone alone that they've sold, right? You have to expect that they've sold more than 20 million of them in one year. Like, if they, if they did a product red pro phone, that they'd have more room for, for sharing the revenue. So let's right just, and, and clearly the actual number behind this, but 20 million units, that means less than a dollar per unit sold is going to the charity when you buy a product red Apple product. Like, doesn't feel like very generous. <laughs> they they donate like a hundred million dollars at a time when they do those like press releases about we need to help you know out with the COVID thingy is a hundred million dollars or you know we're doing a diversity effort with this um you know all these this upstart school and thingy we're going to help them modernize here's a hundred million dollars the entire lifetime of the product red campaign since starting since like two thousand six two hundred seventy million like if you're buying a product red iPhone and I I feel like you've feel a lot more cheesed off if you actually knew that only that less than a dollar of your purchase is actually going to the charity like at least five dollars something you know right so not the uh not the not the greatest uh look i'd say yeah but, and, but the real innovation this year is that for product red uh day they which which is for world aids day they um they released uh new app store excuse me apple watch faces brand new apple watch faces yeah brand new completely new they're not they're not just the same faces, just in the red theme that you could download. And this this was a source of confusion, I, I think, for even more technical people who I follow. Um, that that saw one reaction I saw was it was fair, but it was that um, it was wow, Apple won't let you do third party faces, but they'll make they'll make downloadable faces, as in like this is the way that it would work if it were a third party face. Um, I'm not sure it was clear to you know people with that reaction that this is the Apple Watch face sharing feature, you know, links to share and it makes a URL and then you load it, um, which makes it easy to, to share, you know, a watch face you can make it on your own, but it's customized a certain way. And, yeah, you're like sharing the configuration. You're not actually yeah, downloading right. a new watch face. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of these, I, I, think, I, I think that it's fair to market these this way because there's – a lot of configuration that goes into making these watch faces, you know, or, or watch faces the way that you'd like. So, uh, but, but it is, you know, it's still the same, same uh, reality we live in with watch faces and how that works. Happy Hour this week is brought to you by Upstart. If you're carrying a credit balance month after month after month after month, it can feel like a never ending cycle of debt. Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. The weight of debt can be crippling, but Upstart can help you on your path to financial freedom. It's the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan done all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one. Fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date. Rather than looking at just your credit score, Upstart can consider other factors like your income, current employment and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score for loans worth between one to $50,000 and it only takes minutes to do. You can even receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash happy hour. That's upstart.com slash happy hour. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, 
income and certain other information provided in your loan application. One more time, go to upstart.com slash happy hour. Nice. Uh, I have an update on the situation with my iMac and, and uh, on macOS Monterey and the way that group FaceTime has been borking it um, to the point where, if you recall a few weeks ago, I'd, I'd mentioned that the iMac was in a state of, of uh, uh, wasn't working <laughs> and I, I needed to You have weren't a, using it because you couldn't use it. <laughs> uh, correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the, the magic mouse and magic keyboard that, that comes with the iMac wouldn't connect over the lightning USB-C cable um, in this uh, macOS recovery state that it was in to pick your Wi-Fi network and then see the options for installing macOS. Um, I, I ended up doing what I thought was going to be the fix, buying a USB mouse and keyboard. And then it, because it was, you know, it was cheap, it was USB-A and I used the adapters to um, to make it work with USB-C. At that and, moment, were you like, Dang! I wish I bought the uh, the higher end iMac config that had USB ports and more USB ports on the back. <laughs> it's like I wish there were just. I mean, it, it, the iMac, twenty four inch iMac, like really is like a MacBook Air, a desktop. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of it has literally the same ports, unless you get the higher, the more port option. But because um, the the iMac twenty four inch has no USB A, right? Right. Yeah. It's either yeah, two USB it's, or four. It, yeah, it's two or four. Whereas you look at like something like the Mac Mini, and they put that still has classic USB A ports, right? And yeah. And surely the larger iMac that replaces the iMac 27 inch and iMac Pro will have USB A. I kind of, I'd be surprised if it didn't, but um, because that you know it's, it's different needs. But um, with a USB uh, A mouse and keyboard, wired mouse and keyboard, I was able to reinstall macOS Monterey um, within the first uh, day of using it. Uh, fully group FaceTime. Continue to freeze my computer, and I was and, and I was like, okay, it's not not the software, so it's it may, maybe it's the hardware that something's going wrong. But so I, just I, recap it, like, right? So it's only when you do a FaceTime call, only when I do a group FaceTime call. Yeah. So one to one FaceTime, not a problem. Nope. But you start a call with more than two people, and mm-hmm. does it break immediately? Does it take nope. a little while? Like what? it takes a while, and it's not always consistent. <laughs> Okay, okay. But it's only when you're doing group FaceTime. Yeah, and what it looks like is if you have a Mac with True Tone, which both of my Macs have True Tone, where the temperature of the display changes based on your room, um, lighting, the, the, it, True Tone goes on and off, so it's like jarring, and, and then you see the beach ball um, spin, 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 and you get a series of pop-up windows that ask for your password, uh a lot, and they don't work, but they they do pop up until you re- remove power from the computer and and you know force a hard reboot. And uh, but uh, what I saw was this this time I was like, okay, well at least I can document what's happening better. Um, so I noted down: Com Center wants to use the login keychain, iCloud notification agent, Assistant D, Shared D, Call Services D. Um, oh, the D's. There were more, yeah, all the D's. So. Uh, well, I mean, I felt good because at least it wasn't software, but I but I thought maybe it was the hardware. And then the the MacBook Air that I've been using while this iMac was offline, um, <laughs> it experienced it too. And this is on the shipping version of Monterey twelve point zero point one, and there's the beta version twelve point one that's that's still in beta from the end of October. It's on beta four now as of this week. Um, it it may contain the fix for this. I'm, I I did install it today to just to see because it was really. Well, here's here's what was worse. So when I when the MacBook Air had the problem, I'm like, okay, it's not hardware; it's it's this version of of macOS. Um, 
and I, and so the fix is just use FaceTime on my iPhone and, you know, work from my Mac and then, then I won't lose any work. Um, but two things happened. One, uh, the, the MacBook Air I have, it only has the eight gigabytes of RAM, but it's never a problem for me. Uh, and I was just having trouble like writing in Slack and switching between tabs. And I managed to get activity monitor open, which was very difficult when, when this, you know, it was having this memory issue, uh, RAM, RAM issue. And, uh, but, but once it opened, I could see that the top thing was like call services, uh, using 20 gigabytes. It said 20 gigabytes of RAM, you know, so out of eight, that was a lot. And, um, and I, then I, you know, force quit that and then the Mac was fine. And I noticed that in, in iMessage in, in the group chat that I do group FaceTime with, it said that there was an active call since 4 a.m., but there wasn't, but it was active. And so that, I think that was part of the issue. Um, later that day, I was on group FaceTime from the iPhone and the my MacBook Air did the same thing where it beach balled, got all the alerts pop up and I'm... I'm pretty. Like, I would say like this is totally the conspiracy theory, but because the Mac goes into a state when you're on a group FaceTime call anywhere, the messages app, you know, it knows that this group chat has a call active that you can join. Um, I think it whatever triggers triggered, and um, it, I had the same issue not using FaceTime on the Mac, but using FaceTime on the iPhone. So, oh um, wow! That, so you're only having the call on the phone, but it still makes your Mac freak out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because the messages app does react, you know, the FaceTime app does react to you having a call active somewhere else because you're able to join. Um, it probably, I mean, my guess is if that's the way it works, you know, then, then maybe it could even have, have uh, if if my group chat were on a call and I weren't, that I could have been affected. But yeah. um, at that point, I'm like, okay, this is really bad because it's happening every single time that we do a call, um, whether it's in the first 10 minutes or the, you know, first half hour like it, it varies but it eventually happens um happens to my colleague seth krakowski who edits this podcast and does space explored um and and so at that point i was like okay i'm not afraid of the beta <laughs> it can't can't be worse and what's different in mac os 12.1 is that SharePlay works for the first time it's not in 12.0.1 it's the same way that it came to 15.1 for ios um and and so my, my thinking is well they've worked out SharePlay on the mac this time so maybe they were like the fact that it was it, it, it's half baked on the Mac, you know, it doesn't really work on the Mac, isn't offered, but it's active on iOS. That that's an issue, and, and you know, part of the participants are on on iOS. Um, but at any rate, the beta so far I haven't had the issue, and I've I've been confident in using FaceTime on the Mac again. But um, I, I'm hopefully I can report back that next week after using this this Mac OS beta for a week that I've had zero issues because uh, it's kind of a showstopper. To- <laughs> Like, like here's here's how important it is for me. I would never record this podcast with you for fear of losing audio and like the recording. Um, if I knew that I was risking the computer crashing because of group FaceTime, yeah. um, you know, and before I thought it was just if it's on the machine that you're using, you know, so I'd say, well, we don't use FaceTime for the call, which we don't use Zoom. But um, then once I know that it's not just that, it's like I need to tell my friends don't don't call each other. <laughs> Even if I'm not in the call, because it could... You know that thing up. they added where it says, like, Zach Hall has notification silence on messages? Yes. It should yes. say, like, Zach Hall is recording. Do not call him just in case it causes the Mac on the other side of the room to explode. That's right. And and once I posted it, um, I, I, I don't like writing about bugs as a 95 Mac story because 
for one, to me, it's boring to read about software bugs that might only affect like two people. Um, but this was long enough that I documented it, and I was like, hey, "This is this is what it's like." Um, and I and I got a response from some, someone who um, their 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 message was nice. It was um, that they do group FaceTime with their daughter um, in Europe to help with schoolwork and the M1 Mac mini works great on, on days that there's no group FaceTime. And then when there's group FaceTime, the cursor stops, get the beach ball, all the messages that I mentioned and restarting hard restart is the cure. And so that, and and then that makes it very hard to get back to the PDF page and the biology book that they're using. So, um, and and they said, you know, appreciate the follow up if Apple can fix this bug. I hope so. So, um, I, then I felt better about writing about a bug because it really does bother me. But and another thing that happens when you write about software bugs is then people send you their like pet peeve, you know, issue. Yeah, just not related to the, the current yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah and, and hopes that you'll publish it. And <laughs> but but with this one, you know, it, like it, like in general, <laughs> it has to cross a, a bug or an issue like that has to cross a really high bar before we consider mm-hmm. writing about it. Because yeah, you know, in, in the billion device ecosystem that is Apple's products. You know, not point not not one percent of people are still like hundred thousand, right? So That's true. we 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 have to choose like stuff that crosses a certain level of, of frequency before it becomes a thing. Like I know our colleague Ben Lovejoy's been talking about this uh, application memory running out thing like this memory leak or something that's going on Monterey. And he, you know, he's getting frustrated by that on a near daily basis, but he's not alone. There's lo- I've seen loads of people complain about that exact same thing. And I think maybe Mac OS 12.1 is a lot better about that. But uh, just like with this group FaceTime thing, I was looking at the comments on the article you did. Uh, I don't do that. People, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, it's quite interesting in this case. Uh, there, There isn't any nastiness, which is nice, but people have been saying they've got the exact same symptoms of you where you know, all those 15 different pop-ups pop up asking for access to the keychain, like uh, the comm center and, every, and everything else, uh, except they're not using group FaceTime at all on any device. Wow. Multiple people in this comment are saying they're getting this. Uh, one person said they got it on 11.6.1, unrelated to group FaceTime. One person said they have it on group FaceTime, same bug. Uh, someone else said we have it on Intel and M1, Mac Mini and MacBooks, 11 point and 12 point, all with the same bug. It's been buggy. It's been happening to me frequently. Usually when closing a video tab, I've had it twice when using Bangwest Big Sur. I don't even use FaceTime at all. Like, I so the the issue where like the identity services go haywire, I think your group your for, for you group FaceTime is triggering that, but other things are also causing you know that weird authentication loop to happen. Um, this is obviously pure speculation. One person called Jason Tate in the comments says he thinks it's a Wi-Fi six bug. It seems to happen when a lot of data is transferred at once. Which group Apparently, FaceTime there's a do. setting in your. Do you use Wi-Fi six? Yeah. Well, here we go. <laughs> this is this is looking up. Uh, he says turn off the OFDM setting on the Wi-Fi router, and that may fix your issue. Okay. Yeah, I have so a that's giant. your new assignment to find out what OFDM is because I've never heard of that before in my life. Yeah. Uh, I've got the the giant um, uh, Linksys. It's, it looks like a normal like Linksys. Uh, mesh router but it's like 10 times it's like it's huge it's like super thick and tall it's wi-fi the links is developed right yeah uh no uh links is uh yeah you're right yeah (laughs) another issue that people have been having about their macs relating to the new mabbit pro is about charging so apparently if you turn your mabbit your new shiny mabbit pro 14 or 16 inch all the way off so it's completely shut down and you plug it in via magsafe uh it won't charge 
at least for some people, it doesn't charge. Mm. Apple seems to be aware of this. It's a, like a weird firmware bug, and they're going to fix it in a future update. Because if you remember, like there was an iPhone, was it iPhone 11, where that was having a problem where you'd like plug it in with the lightning cable and it wouldn't charge either unless the phone was unlocked. Mm-hmm. And they fixed that in like a software update. This seems like a very similar thing, but it's specifically about uh, the MagSafe connection on new MacBook Pros, which is interesting. Uh, I don't use MagSafe to charge my laptop, so I can't say I've experienced that particularly. Um, I do have a nice little just fun anecdote because <laughs> although I don't use MagSafe myself, I have now repurposed the MagSafe charger as a USB-C charger for my old laptop because I'm still in the process because I set up my new laptop as a fresh install completely blank. Mm-hmm. So I'm still in the process of transferring some things over and I have backups on like hard drives and stuff, but it's so much easier just to like airdrop it from the old laptop. So I've been dual wielding laptops this week and I didn't have a charger for the old one so what i did was i just because now that magsafe uh is just a USB-C brick with a magsafe cable i just popped the magsafe cable out and put USB-C brick in there to charge it so it's like i didn't have to buy a USB-C charger just for this purpose which is quite handy so very nice yeah that was like a nice convenience of i haven't used the mag i've i've used the magsafe to charge the laptop once just to check that it worked and looked that it but i've uh, any of the like the fast charge benefits I found that my Thunderbolt dock, just my standard OWC Thunderbolt 3 dock, maybe it's not charging as fast as it would do if I was using the, like, honking 140-watt MagSafe brick that it came with, but it charges way faster than my old laptop, for sure. Like, it's, it is fast charging. It might just be not, like, doing maximum fast charging. So that's good enough for me. So I've been happy for, I've been so happy in, with that. In the box, you, you don't get a USB-C to USB-C cable. You just get MagSafe? Well, Correct. You just get MagSafe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Like... I mean, obviously, it would be bad if you didn't get MagSafe at all with the box. It would be like one of those things where you don't get, um, you know, the headphones or the adapter or the or the, the the power brick or the cable. You know, those, those kind of things. Apple would never do that, Zach. They <laughs> never they never take all the accessories out of the uh, product that you're getting. It's not that bad, but um, I, I I didn't think about the fact that you don't get USB C to USB C as you know as you would with with a non MagSafe laptop. Yeah, you just get you get the USB C brick, and then you get the MagSafe cable, which is USB C on one end. But obviously, you that USB C brick can be, just be used with other USB C cables hanging around. You just get a free brick. That's what I'm using it for. Happy Hour this week is also brought to you by Prisoner Wine. What matters most when it comes to enjoying a great wine is it the taste? Is it the vintage? Is it the price? I mean, these are important factors, but also the story behind the wine matters. And that means we should introduce you to the Prisoner Wine Company. The Prisoner Wine Company is simply here to bring you the best wine around with impeccable attention to detail. It insists on doing things differently. 20 years ago, they combined some of California's most unusual grape varieties to make a bold and complex blend to create their flagship product, their namesake Prisoner Red Blend. It evokes ripe fruit flavors like raspberry and pomegranate, and it's refined to be incredibly smooth. It's unapologetically red in its concoction, but it's smooth, rich and approachable to pretty much anyone and it comes in a beautiful bottle featuring francisco goya's iconic artwork in fact the flagship prisoner wine brand is one of napa valley's most recognized red blends appearing in publications like the wine spectator forbes and the food and wine magazine but of course the only way is to experience these wines for yourself so you can try one bottle to taste and just see how good the prisoner wine company is and now the prisoner wine company will actually ship you all of their rule bending blends like the prisoner red blend the prisoner chardonnay and the thorn melot direct to your door now zach i know that you actually got a chance to to taste the prisoner red wine right 
Yeah, I did. I I, um, I, I went to my I saw some family for Thanksgiving, and when I was leaving to go out the door to to travel to their home, I uh, had a a, a wine shaped box on my front porch and the full delivery experience. And um, I thought, oh, it, you know, we had just recorded the podcast, so I couldn't speak to last week about it, but this week um, was able to uh, unbox that and, and bring it to bring it to dinner for Thanksgiving. And um, I'm like a cheap wine in a box person, but I know it's not the the way to go. Uh, and and so I would not be equipped to bring wine to a dinner party uh, otherwise. But with this, it's like, well, you know, you know it's it's something special. And um, my my stepmom is actually like like she works in in restaurants, and so she knows the different qualities of wine, and she's very into the scene. Um, and so by bringing this, she was like looked at the bottle and everything and read about it, and she was like, "Oh, this is a treat." <laughs> you know? I was like, "Okay, well, just share a little with me so I can try it out." And um, for me, I, I love I love red wine. You know, I got into red wine after I started uh, running uh, regularly, and as a as a way to. to to cool off in the evenings, and um, I, I I don't like uh, too sweet, but I do prefer you know something that isn't so harsh. And this was um, the, the 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 taste of this I was really happy with. And, you know, had had repeat glasses over the span of Thanksgiving weekend, and um, that's that's saying something because if 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 uh, you know if you don't like the taste, you're not going to keep going for it. So I was I was really happy with it, and and the experience of. Uh, what it's like to to arrive at your door and and not and take out all the guesswork of am I getting a good bottle or not? So, go to theprisonerwine dot com slash happy hour for twenty percent off plus shipping included on your first purchase. Order it now and get it in time for the holidays. This is the best deal they have available. So get twenty percent off plus shipping included at theprisonerwine dot com slash happy hour. That's t h e p r i s o n e r w i n e dot com slash happy hour. Offer is valid on first-time orders only for U.S. residents of legal drinking age through the 31st of December 2021. Limit one offer per household. Other exclusions may apply. Please enjoy wine responsibly. Thanks to the Prisoner Wine Company for sponsoring the show. All right. So uh, on the Friday after Thanksgiving, which we call Black Friday, I bought what I consider. Did you get a deal? A bit, yeah. I bought what I consider to be uh, the Black AirPods Pro with USB-C. Uh, it it's you know Beat Studio Buds. It came out of a couple months ago, I think. At this point, the regular price is one forty nine. I paid ninety nine. Um, you know, pretty good deal there. Uh, I really really like these. So they they have no stems in the way that AirPods of any flavor have. They're black in a way that no AirPods of any flavor are. Um, you've got noise cancellation. You've got transparency, just like AirPods Pro. And uh, you don't get spatial audio, but you know it doesn't bother me. I've, I've got AirPods Max if I really want to have the spatial audio experience, and and that's you know more you know over the ear headphones, so better better experience if you're you're in that environment. Um, battery life is up to eight hours. I haven't tested that to see like if I wear them for eight hours, or if I use it for two hours at a time. You know, does it really work that way? Um, but but a- Apple and Beats are usually really good at giving you you know, really close estimates to what, what you'd get. Um, and eight hours compares to say four hours with the AirPods pro, um, or, or five, if you have uh, noise cancellation or transparency off. And I believe that eight hours is, is, is with noise cancellation and transparency in use. Um, little, little I mean, bit they, are, they are, how big are they? 
they're they're small. Like they go in your ear and you do like a twist gesture. They're they're not big. Um, I'd have to imagine. They, would you say they're smaller in like volume than the AirPods Pro, or about the same? I feel like it's smaller in volume okay. than the AirPods Pro are. Yeah, yeah. that's impressive. Then eight hours is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like is that a typo? Mostly, uh-huh. um, you, you use USB C for charging instead of Lightning. So if you're like say using an iPad with USB C or uh, a Mac with USB C, then you can use the same charging cable, which I find to be very convenient. Um, I I do charge my iPhone with Lightning, but I also use wireless charging. And so um, for the iPhone and and um, you know I'd, I'd like to use as as few lightning things as possible so this is a win for me i would love the iphone to have USB C. that'd be amazing um the the case itself is is compact and it's also black um and and this is counter to what the power beats pro from a few years ago you know that's like the like the comically large charging case for, for the for those you know this is like smaller than an airpods case um, no, no chi charging on it. So, that, so the kind of the two uh, things that you give up are special audio and chi charging. Um, but, but they do pair in the same way that AirPods pair, and um, it, it works. They work really well. And I've, I've been, I, <laughs> I'm not bothered by the way that AirPods look. But let's say Apple made AirPods in black in a compact form factor, I would be much happier with the way they look. Um, just, just from strictly the appearance and. It it I'm I'm kind of like my mind's still blown from from these. It's like if you you know if you have AirPods Pro, you know, just keep using them. But if you um you you're, you're looking to replace them for some reason, or you don't have uh, wireless ear, ear, earbuds at all, um these Studio Buds from Beats, I really they're like my go to recommendation right now, especially if you get them for a hundred bucks. Because even at one hundred and fifty, it's a hundred dollars less than the AirPods Pro are. Um, for- all right, I just looked up the battery life just to preempt the email. It's it's eight hours with noise cancellation off okay okay so you nice. need you need adaptive eq and anc off to get the beats rated eight hours which is probably like you know six or whatever yeah, and then yeah. with anc and the adaptive eq you get six hours which is one hour more than what the airpods pro are rated for right so two oh wait wait with it with it off with it on with it on with it on. six hours so i guess the airpods pro are four hours with anc Correct. yeah yeah so you're getting slightly more battery life uh, yeah at least according to beats his numbers Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm really happy with them. The like, like, if I had to say, like, you know, here, here's something I, I, I'm, I'm adjusting to, or I'm not so sure about yet. It's the, the interaction with them. So they are so small that, like, the size. There's no stem to tap or squeeze. It's the buttons on these like circular buds in your ear, and it kind of they kind of protrude out a little bit, um, but not too much to look weird. Um, but they're they're very sensitive buttons, so that you know you click them and they work every time. But um, I, I have experience. Well, I was taking some getting used to. Okay, click for play, click for pause, of course. Double click for um, track forward, triple click for, for track back. But it's long press for moving between noise cancellation, transparency, or off. And um, that that's I, I don't know. Like I'm used to the squeeze. I was used yeah. to it's something I haven't gotten used to yet. It's like press long, you know, instead of just like click once. Um, do they do they pause automatically if you take them out your ears? I don't know. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> that's, that's a big feature for me. And the yeah. power beats don't have it, I don't think. So. Yeah. What, 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 I, what, I, what I have experienced is I, I, I use earbuds with transparency um, when I'm on my motorcycle. And um, 
because the gesture for AirPods Pro is a squeeze, my helmet never accidentally does it. It's physically impossible to do that. And with these, because it's a button on the side, my helmet can hang up on a phone call if I'm on a call or pause the music and then I pull up my phone and put you know, turn it back on before I begin writing, of course. I'm answering my own questions. Beefits Pro do have the automatic ear detection. So cool. they pause cool. and region play back when you take my ears, just like AirPods. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a Beats Studio Buds thing. I know new firmware came out this week, but I've I've not been able to use them on a FaceTime call from the iPhone. <laughs> like I will listen to music on the iPhone, listen to podcasts on the iPhone, go to a FaceTime call, and they show up, and then I can tap them, but it doesn't come through yet. Um, and, and this is on the on, on the, in this situation it is on the iPhone um, iOS fifteen point two beta version. Um, but uh, maybe maybe there's some growing pains from, from somewhere. But that's what you just reminded me. Is. Actually, I have a really annoying bug that's persisted through the fifteen betas and the release. Like, oh, yeah? if I answer, if I'm wearing AirPods and listening to music, right? If I answer the phone on the watch. So you know, so like I'm playing music through. I'm just, I'm I'm I'm, being, I'm rooting music from the iPhone to my to my ears, right, with the AirPods in. Just walking down the street, someone phones me. My watch vibrates, obviously, and my phone's in my pocket vibrating. But I don't want to reach into my pocket to answer the button. So I look at my watch screen. I see who it is. I press the green answer button, and then it doesn't switch the phone call over to the headphones. Yeah. So so it's using it's then using the Apple Watch speaker and microphone. And you have to, and I, I then like it doesn't work. So then you click on the little like audio ring button on the watch. You click AirPods. It doesn't transfer over. So then I have to dig into my pocket to get my phone out, and then I can like mess about with it and change it. But that used to work like flawlessly, and now it just doesn't work at all. So it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, at the moment, if I'm walking down the street and someone calls me, I have to like stop and get my phone out of my pocket. Whereas before, I just the blissful. Apple Watch experience, but that's yeah. been busted for a few months. The thing about bugs, you know, just just to give a quick comment on that one more time, is that, um, you know, I, it it makes me anxious when I exp- when I'm using something and it's not working the way it's supposed to. And I'm like, am I doing something wrong, or is it doing something wrong? And I I tend to think just naturally that 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 I'm doing something wrong, or that it's only happening on my device and it's not a ship a, a shipping software bug um and it, it's reassuring to hear when other people have the same issue it's like, okay because I've, I've experienced what you've experienced with the apple watch as well and I, I, I it's never i never like paid so much attention to the bugs that people experience but when you have enough of these it's like very small paper cards that add up um and and I've, uh I'm, I'm not gonna say like we're in like a buggy season for for apple's you know like like state of software um because I don't it's think prob- we are. Yeah, like, it, it's probably normal. It's just, you know, probably, I think I think that more of the things that I use are affected right now by bugs than than, than previous uh, versions of of, the, of software shipping. Yeah, I'm, I, this is always so hard to like quantify when you're in the moment, right? You only really know when you're looking back. But it doesn't feel like right now. I feel like in, if you ask me to summarize like software quality for this year, I'd say you know pretty good. Like there are issues. Uh, but I feel like it's more isolated cases rather than like systemic bugs, and and uh, even the number of or the frequency is lower than some years. Like the iOS thirteen, iOS eleven timeframes, they were when it was like really bad, you know. And obviously, the iOS eleven thing um, drove Apple to like completely shift course on their software development pipeline, and they did iOS twelve, which was you know the 
in quotes no new features kind of kind of situation and they focus on performance and stuff like that but and iOS 13 we kind of regressed a bit and was again had bugginess issues and they kind of fixed it but i'd say iOS 14 iOS 15 have been have been up there in terms of stability uh and there i think part of the problem is now apple just has so many products across so, and they they all have like cross device behavior that you're just opening up like infinite more possibilities for there to be issues right yeah, so if you took yeah. like if you took like the entire ecosystem and like did a percentage of bugginess it's going to be low but there's just so many different chances for you to encounter something going a bit wonky and it's like well there's a bug and if it affects you then it's problematic but it like the the like the situation i described where the, the the headphones transfer over i don't know if it affects everybody i mean you've said it affects you but i don't know if it's just me or it's a small subset or or because if it does affect everyone i haven't seen anyone else mention it right and i'm not saying it's not a bug but i think it's just one of those things that kind of like fades into the background and i had forgotten about it just until you brought up the the thing that you said before like yeah and so in terms of like quantifying that on a chart it's well it's, it's pretty low tier right it's not problematic it's not a big issue but I just it just made me think about it. Like I think if you ask me overall for the year, I'd say Apple's doing pretty good in terms of software quality. But that doesn't mean there's zero problems. It just means you know that there's nothing like major that's sticking in in front of mind. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be a good QA tester because um, I'm I'm good at experiencing bugs, but I'm not I'm not good at identifying like patterns, and and that's why the the, the FaceTime you know thing on the Mac has been sort of stand out for me. And it's taken a long time, but. Um, with the watch thing, what what happened was I had AirPods in, listening to music, and then then I get the ringtone in my AirPods, and then I answer on the watch, and it's and I'm like I feel like I'm, you know, juggling all these devices. You know, is it in the is it in my AirPods? Is it in is it on the watch? Is it on the phone? And I just take out the AirPods or remove them from the situation, just yell into the ear, "Hang on, I'm trying to answer somehow," you know, <laughs> and then go to the phone. And it's like a you know, cluster. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um but but back to headphones so there was another another airpods uh story or there was an airpods story this week that was interesting which is um previously unseen uh prototype version of airpods came out and they're they're transparent which i assume means never to you know never planned to be released that way but just as part of the prototype process they, they had transparent airpods um these look so cool yeah. If you if you haven't seen these, go to the go to Nine Five Mac. New images show AirPods prototype with translucent design. Just whatever you're thinking, they look like they look so much better. And I, it just it's just another thing to grate on. Why won't Apple make AirPods in different colors? <laughs> yeah, my my tweet was that that uh, only Beats would have the courage to release these, and not yeah. Apple. <laughs> yeah. Like they just they're kind of retroy because they they. They, and they kind of throw back to like the old translucent iMacs, but there's no like plastic color to shade it. It's literally just like transparent plastic, and you just see all the innards and the battery and the cables and the wires. And there's no way that Apple would have the aesthetic to ship something like that. Uh, they just wouldn't do it. Like, but they definitely can like cover it over and put it in a different color. And we're in what is it? The AirPods first came out in 2016. We're six years on, and they still only ship AirPods. In white AirPods and AirPods Pro, white only. AirPods Max, oh, here's some nice shades of aluminium. Beats, any color under the sun. Bone, space gray, yellow, bright orange, you know, a million different collaborations with who knows who. But you come back to Apple's, like, most popular earbuds, white only. White only. 
white only. It's like, come on, just do black. Like you, you were tweeting pictures of the Beast Fits Pro, and they're black, obviously. And they're, they're, I was like, yes, they're black. Although the the downside with the Beats is that you get a white Beats logo on the outside of them, which kind of detracts from me. Like AirPods are great because they got no Apple logo on them that you can see. Like it's just perfect. It's just little objects of just pearls of listening joy. But just give me a just give me a different color, like white, whatever. If you want to do gray, that's fine. You want to do black, like this whole argument that oh, it's all for like branding and you know oh, presence and a, yeah. like it's the most stupidest thing in the world. Like there's no way that that's the reason that, that like when Apple was doing the original iPod headphones, you know, twenty years ago. Then they needed brand cred, street cred, popularity, making a statement, and they obviously capitalised that on a huge way with the iconic iPod, you know, headphone adverts with the with the black silhouettes. In twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one, Apple doesn't need the publicity. <laughs> They're not trading on this PR. Like everybody from who knows who for the entire the last two years, all you see is people on a video call with AirPods in their ears, like. It's the most popular headphones by an absolute mile. If you've got black ones, there'd be like a week where people are like, I don't know what those are. But a month goes by, people are like, oh, they're the black AirPods. You know, like they're still going to have the brand value just because they're a different color. Like, I don't buy that argument in the slightest. They just need to do different colors. There's so pent up demand for black Apple accessories that it's going to be like, um, you know, when the iPhone 4S turned into the iPhone 5 and that was the answer to bigger screens was a little bit more vertical height. And then the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus came and it was just like this, this you know, rush of iPhone sales that, that made it hard to compare years between. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I hope to see. That's what I imagine would happen if Apple made black AirPods and other accessories. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're feeling strained or just not as happy as you do normally, we all know it's been a stressful couple of years. Is there something in particular preventing you from achieving your goals? If any of those apply to you, then maybe you should check out BetterHelp. Sometimes you just want someone to talk to who is trained about mental health and lifestyle. And BetterHelp is quite literally here to help. And it lets you do it all from the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp assesses your needs to match you with a licensed professional therapist tailored to helping your personal well-being. You can connect in a safe and crucially private online environment. And after signing up, you can start communicating to a therapist in under 48 hours. This is not run-of-the-mill self-help. This is professional counselling done securely online. And you can access counsellors specialising in all sorts of areas like stress, anger, relationships, depression, sleep, and much more. Start a conversation with your therapist at your convenience. You just send them a message. And the therapist will respond in a timely basis. And you can also schedule sessions like weekly video chats or phone calls if you want as well. And BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid options are available. And of course, everything that you talk about is 100% private and confidential. So start living a happier life today. As a listener to this show, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash machappyhour. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash machappyhour, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash machappyhour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. All right, so uh, this this past week, uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, who gets everything right except for the shit of, of the Apple Watch, says that AR, augmented reality, and, and I, I think specifically Apple's solution for that, will replace the iPhone in 10 years. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, what, so what the, you- the, last, the last, the week before's podcast, we were talking about the 
fantastic idea that Apple was going to ship a self-driving car in by 2025 that doesn't have a steering wheel, right? And that one holds very little weight. It just feels way too soon for a product that is still unproven and unfeasible. Uh, self-driving is clearly in development and everybody's working on it and companies like Tesla have limited success in certain areas, but nowhere close to, oh, you don't need a steering wheel in the car anymore. You don't need a person staying attentive to the road. Augmented reality, you know, is kind of in that same boat, I'd say, at the moment, but I put more faith in what in the prediction because clearly this isn't tied to any specific like product rumor right this is just quote speculating and and extravaganting and i highly doubt like tim cook and executives are sitting in office somewhere like planning out in exactly 10 years the iphone's going to be dead right and to be fair quote doesn't even say like they're going to stop selling the iphone in 10 years it just means that you know the new priority for the company will be some kind of like ar headset AR glasses and the iphone will still be around but maybe not the hero product of the company anymore one thing that ha- th- this has going favor it compared with the car story is that the timeline's longer right 10 years versus five you've got twice as long for- to fulfill the vision mm-hmm. and secondly if you look at the state of augmented reality i feel like you're closer to a product that could replace the iphone than you are closer to a car that could drive on its own with no help and that doesn't mean like if someone, if, if when you talk about, so obviously the current state of rumors with the AR stuff is your Apple's going to ship or at least announce next year some kind of like head mounted display thing, kind of like an Oculus Quest kind of situation with, you know, high resolution displays, a lot of processing power, but it's going to be big and bulky and kind of like a VR gaming headset, at least in look, right? Even if it's not doing VR functionality, that's what it's going to look like. And then further down the road, we all know that Apple wants to make you know, thin and light glasses that can do all the, that same kind of high def, high fidelity augmented reality experience just by like projecting them through the lens or something. Because what company wouldn't want to do that? Like that sounds fantastic, but in the current time, that just is technologically impossible. The, you can't you can't get a product that is thin and light and small and have enough processing power to do what you need for any period of time, right? Like even the current iPhones. Maybe they're just about powerful enough to drive a, a full AR experience, but look how big they are. Look how, much, how big a battery there there is on them. You put that on a phone, or you put that on something that you have to wear twenty four seven. Like the iPhone could benefit from the fact that you can turn the screen off when you're not using it, right? But AR glasses they're on your face all day long, and they weigh the frames of a, of a pair of glasses are way smaller than like the brick that is the iPhone. So that that kind of future is certainly not going to happen tomorrow or next year or the year after. But in 10 years, I, 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 I could see it. I could see it. And like when people imagine or when a lot of people kind of think about like Apple AR glasses, it's very easy to jump to the, for lack of a better word, the metaverse version of events where like you're suddenly fully engrossed and fully encompassed in this completely virtual environment that you access through these Apple glasses but you don't care about the rest of the world because it's so good in this world. It can simulate reality so well that it becomes like indistinguishable from it. So that's where you want to spend all your time. And I mean, that is a route that obviously some people are, are, are promising and wanting to go down. Whether Apple sees that vision or not remains to be seen. They obviously haven't shown the cards there. Uh, but I kind of dismiss that kind of reality, at least for a lot longer time frame. Like not t- like to get to that level of like fully perfect 
you know, reality reproduction is going to be more than a decade, in my in my opinion. I'm, and again, look, I could be wrong. I'm not a super expert. I don't want to pretend like I've got all the answers. But just looking at, like, what's possible on the market today, getting to an, a fully encompassing, engrossing AR or VR experience that you'd work, that you choose to do everything in your day with through that, rather than, you know, the actual enduring physicality and perfectness of act, the actual Earth. And I say this as someone who spends you know, 80% of his day looking at a screen. Like, I love technology. I love staying inside. But I wouldn't want to... Uh, uh, there's nowhere close... We're nowhere close to swapping that out to an AI headset. M- maybe 50 years, maybe 20 years, right? 10 years, 5 years, no way. But what Apple is working on, and let's assume the AR glasses version, you know, the thin and light thing, they don't have to be thinking that in 10 years we need to replace the iPhone with a Metaverse product. They could just be replacing the iPhone with... AR glasses that do everything the iPhone can do, but project it out in a 3D space in front of you. Like, Google Glass was kind of the first, you know, participant in this whole arena, and it wasn't like AR or VR. It was just like a phone, a a very primitive phone interface projected in front of you, right? So, yeah, technically it's augmenting the the environment, but it's not like interacting with the world or anything or like, you know, tracking objects and everything like that. It was just like a nice way to, well not necessarily a nice way but it was a way to do stuff like messaging and phone calls and get notifications in your vision right when you have to have this clunky big thing with a you know lens refractor thing that everyone was like you look like a cyborg but basically what the what google glass did was basically what an apple watch does it just did it in a different form factor right and so in 10 years time i think it's very practical or very feasible or very reasonable to think that apple could make a much better product than what Google Glass is, and it would be more capable in that it wouldn't just be able to do what your Apple Watch does, it would be able to do what your phone does. So if Apple wanted to replace the iPhone with augmented reality, in my head, what that could very easily mean is just like, instead of walking around with an iPhone all day, you walk around with these glasses. And that doesn't mean that the glasses are going to be hosting a virtual world. Maybe you just see like a CarPlay kind of experience and you can respond to messages by by voice or maybe by like brain signals or something or uh you know you can have phone calls you're walking down the street you can get like turn by turn navigation in maps overlaid on what you're seeing but you're still interacting with the world as you do now you're still seeing people you know one of the facebook demos is like they do like fence virtual fencing with a hologram like that's not going to work but if you've just taken your your glasses around all day long with you just as the way that you do with your phone today i don't think that's completely bombastic as an idea like the iphone is a great product and and, you know and it's going to take a lot to overcome it but the smartphone has downsides in that you're only ever going to get what like a a six inch screen in in your pocket even if you even if these foldable things work out you're getting a 12 inch screen it's never going to be as big as you can effectively like you can have a cinema in your head if you can get ar glasses working with you know high enough resolution it could take over your entire vision if you're watching a video or you know just augmenting the world and and it's going to be far less distracting than the phone because you don't have to look down you don't have to look at a separate object you could just carry on walking and doing what you do in many ways combining like the best part of like the apple watch and the phone all in one as a single product and so that idea i think it has value is possible potential and maybe in a decade's time technology feasible as well and i don't expect to be super cheap like it'll at least be as expensive what the iphone is today but i could see a world that in a decade there is a product 
that isn't, you know, a rectangular phone in your pocket, but that can replace all of those functions that a rectangular phone would do, and you enjoy using it, right? And it happens to be in a form factor of glasses. So if you take Quo's, you know, very vague prediction at that level, I don't think it's crazy at all. Do you think that this is dependent on Siri to work, you know, in general, a voice assistant, but in Apple's case, Siri? I mean, it definitely has a role to play, right? Like, if it, it, uh, uh, the brain, I know, like, Neuralink exists and there's other ex- experiments around, like, because ideally you wouldn't have to speak, right? If if you're just going sci-fi, you could look at something, like, you just look at something and you want to reply to a notification, you just think, reply, blah, blah, blah. Like, you wouldn't have to speak it aloud. You could, because you can, your your bandwidth for communication is way higher in your internal monologue than it is for actual speaking your voice out. Uh, but and those and those those studies are in progress, but I don't think they're going to be anytime soon. So short term, yeah, Siri is going to matter a lot more. Uh, but if you look at Siri, like dictation wise, I think Siri is very good. Like in terms of transcribing what you say, it does a pretty good job. And I rely on Siri dictation all the time on the Apple Watch when I'm replying to people, you know, messages and stuff. Um, the the places where Siri fall down is the kind of more like intelligence side of things of actually taking your words and passing those into action and then doing the action right that's where it that's where it struggles but for just raw dictation speech at least for you know my brand of english it works fine so i I, and again you've got 10 years of innovation to think about it doesn't that that doesn't like strike me as like a roadblock really i I guess you could also have some sort of a gesture based you know thing where Mm -hmm. um you know you you move your finger across the side of the the frame and um what you see in front of you is 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 moved by that and you could you could maybe even do something like scribble you know or or a swipe keyboard um or maybe eye gestures right so like you just look from side to side if you need to like navigate for instance you don't have to navigate purely or head, head gestures yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's like the <laughs> you turn on the toggle and you get like the four finger gestures and the ipad the equivalent is like you dash around your eyes and you're like oh you look like a crazy person to anybody looking at you but you get something done really fast yeah probably a good way to look at this too is that any of the impressive accessibility features that apple has come out with you know i think the the last round was on the apple watch that we were really impressed by um but any of those things uh and then take them from they've mastered it for accessibility, and then they they bring it as something that they think is is right for everyone to use because it it's better than than you know the current default. Um, that that might be a way to look at at how to build toward this as well. You know what what would look what does it look like within those ten years time? So do you think I'm an idiot, or do you think this is you, you sound sorry. bullish? Well, I, I'm <laughs> I'm bullish on the idea. Like obviously execution matters, but. I, and I, I'm not someone, you know, you you can you can attest this. I'm not someone who gets wrapped up in the latest craze just out out of the fun of it. But mm. I think if you go a, a decade down, I I can envision an augmented reality product that could replace the iPhone in many ways. And so, you know, maybe it's ten years or fifteen, but like to me, that just feels way more achievable than like a self driving car in five years. You know, do you yeah, do, like? Do you think it's cool? Do you think it's appealing? Like, you can even ignore like the technical practicality just in terms of like the idea i i'm positive that a product in this form would have positive impact for a lot of needs i'm not sure if they apply to me right now or if they will or or what you know i'm like i don't even think of it as augmented reality per se i just think of like 
what if you could do everything you're on your iPhone, you just didn't have to get your phone out your pocket, you know? Like, I'm not thinking like, oh, it has to overlay the world and interact with the environment. I'm just thinking like, if I could just, you know, because one of the things that everyone loved to see is like um, contact lenses, right? Like, if you could just have a, a screen in front of your face by wearing a contact lens, it'd be even more perfect. But that's, you know, even further away. But doing that same experience via something that you wear, like a smallish pair of glasses, it seems more realistic. Yeah, um, I have to think more about what problems it solves that the iPhone can't, um, and and or that even a theater experience can't. Aside from like you know you have to go there, but uh, it, re- it really takes a lot of thought for me to think about how 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 would this be better than now, and without thinking you know without worrying about sounding like I'm going to regret that in ten years, um, yeah. but also just. What does it take away, and is it worth that? You know, just to give it people an analogy, just and, and I'm not telling you because I think it's very easy to contest what I'm saying, but just take your iPhone, right, and then put it in front of your face, and imagine it could just float there, and it would be transparent, so no one else around you would would get blocked by the vision. Like, I think that'd be really cool if you could make your iPhone flunt, f- float in front of your eyes and just go invisible when you didn't need it. That'd be fantastic. And what's a way to kind of get that experience? AR glasses. That's 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 kind of how I'm approaching it in terms of you know appeal. So, and I think it's we're going to get closer and closer to that vision, maybe sooner than we even think we are. Like, I, I like I, like the 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 head mounted display thing that Apple's coming out with, you know, next year or the year after. Functionality wise, it could probably have enough power to replace the iPhone in you know many many regards. It's just in a form factor that's huge and bulky, right? So that's going to be its limiting factor. But at that point, it's just a a problem of miniaturization. So that's that's where I'm coming from, anyway. Okay. I am augmenting my reality this weekend because I'm getting glasses that <laughs> let me see better. <laughs> so that's how they're augmenting my reality in the short term. I've I've been wearing glasses since I was like two years old, and they had to curl around my ears to stay on. So, so maybe that's playing into it too. It's like if I'm going to have to now wear glasses all day long, it'd be cool if they were more functional, <laughs> <and> not <laughs> just a magnifying glass. Yeah, see, if Apple invented, like, um, you know, $30 LASIK surgery and <laughs> never had to wear actual glasses, then I, that I could get excited about. This, I don't, I don't know. Finally, Happy Hour is brought to you by Raycon. Are you looking for a Christmas present or maybe just a gift for yourself at the end of the year? If you haven't, then now is a good time to start. Keep listening. You can get a great deal on something that everyone will use, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycons offer amazing audio quality wherever you are, whether you're trying to get some work done and concentrate or pump up with some beats at the gym. And Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands. With seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise-isolating fit, you can start listening immediately and keep listening for hours on a single charge. And you get premium audio quality without breaking the bank. Raycon starts at about half the price of other competing wireless earbud brands. And the new Everyday Earbuds offer three sound profiles to make sure everything sounds to your personal taste. There's a pure mode, tuned for podcast listening, or blues and instrumental music. There's a balanced mode for listening to rock and heavy rock, and a bass mode for enjoying hip-hop, EDM, reggae, and similar beats. Now, Zach, I know you've been able to try out uh, Raycons before, right? Yeah, I've tried out the Everyday Earbuds, and the cool thing about them is they come in (laughs) a lot of colors. I tried out the blue version, and they've even got like a glossier blue version. Um, it looks really nice, um, white, a pink, red, and black. 
Um, and and these are great. I mean, especially for the price that you're looking at, less than a hundred dollars regular price, and you're getting truly wireless earbuds. You know, imagine that. You know, ten years ago, we didn't even know that was possible. Uh, and and I like these too because they remind me a lot of what you'd see in Avengers movies when you know or anything futuristic where everyone has like a communication piece um, without looking like uh, you know a Bluetooth earpiece or something. And and these remind me of that. You know, they, they've got that that sort of smooth um, doesn't stand out too much. You know, look to them and uh, amazing. You know, for the price and the sound is. Um, you know, it's it's going to beat the earphones that used to come in the box with your with your phone. Yep, Raycons are half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. They're available in five stylish colors and are sold with free shipping and returns. So the holidays are coming up faster than you think. Now is the time to knock out that gift list and avoid the last minute shipping scramble. Especially because right now, listeners to this show will get fifteen percent off site wide with code Holiday at buyraycon.com slash happy hour. Go to buyraycon.com slash happy hour and use code holiday today to get 15% off your entire Raycon order. One more time, buyraycon, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash happy hour. Buyraycon.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Raycon for sponsoring the show. All right, and I see that the next thing you want to discuss, uh, Apple Watch notification handling. What are your thoughts on that? Well... I read a very interesting blog post from you okay. today entitled This Simple Change Would Make My Apple Watch Way Less Annoying. Well, and I agree. Great. So do <laughs> you want to kind great. of run down what the idea was? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I asked our, our colleague uh, Parker if he could um, put together a, a um, pretty simple mock-up that, that was the, the same notification permission screen you get when you open a new app for the first time in your iPhone and it says, would you like to allow notifications, allow or don't allow um, but instead of that, well, in addition to that, you know, have one that says, would you like to this app to send notifications to your Apple Watch? Um, because the way it works right now is is that if you give permission for an app on the iPhone to send you alerts, then the watch by default mirrors that setting. So you're going to receive alerts on your watch instead of your phone, um, you know, as the active alert, if, if you've got the, the watch on. You can later, you can go in and you can, in the, in the watch app, you can say, well, I don't want to receive alerts for this app that I, that I get alerts from on the iPhone. So I can toggle off mirroring and then you won't get alerts from that app on your watch. They'll still be on your iPhone and you'll, they'll even sound on your iPhone. They won't be sucked into the watch, you know? Um, and, and so that, that's kind of, that's, that's the status quo right now. Um, you know, my suggestion is in a future version of, of iOS and watch OS, you know, put, put in that, just, just having that, extra request if you if you you know the phone knows you have a watch paired give that request you know when you first install an app because what i find is that i go through that the watch app and notification settings and i turn off most or all of the toggles for notifications i say i want to use the watch for fitness i want to use the watch for you know fall detection um heart rate tracking but i don't actually want to use it for alerts i want that to be my phone so I can get away from the phone if I want to, and I don't have it on the watch. Um, and I don't want to leave on, do not disturb, because the phone and the watch mirror that now. Um, so, so you know, what I end up, you know, the problem being that I end up having is that, okay, I turn off every toggle for every app that, that mirrors notifications from the iPhone, and then I install a new email app. And 
I put on my watch in the morning, and the first thing that happens is I get an email, and I'm like, "Why is my watch vibrating? You know, what? What? I thought I fixed this. You know, I just wanted to to be a quiet, you know, quiet health guardian. <laughs> Don't want it to be so chatty." Um, and I realized, oh, I installed a new app and set it up on my iPhone, so I have to go and turn it off for um for, for the watch and the watch app. Um, and it's any number of things. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could say, I want to have an alert on for the phone, but I don't want it on for the watch. And the, and the fact that it's basically reset for every new app that you install, delete it, reinstall it. You've got to go back in the, in, in the watch app and turn it off is, is not great. Um, so in addition to that, that, you know, proposal of having a permissions dialogue from the iPhone app to give watch alerts, because that's, that's where it starts. Um, also, just have a universal toggle in in, in the in the the watch app that says I want to opt into alert mirroring. I don't want to have it on by default. I want to turn off turn off turn it off for all these apps, you know, and I'll turn on for the ones I want. Um, those those kind of changes would be simple, and the kind of things that I think that you know we'd expect to see in the first couple of years of Apple Watch when you're kind of learning how it works and what 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 works well and what doesn't work, but we haven't seen that. Um, and then lastly, it's the the idea that um, if you ever use your your iPhone without your Apple Watch and you've used the Apple Watch for a while, for me, one of the, the things I appreciate is that a lot of apps have custom tones that are just for them. You know, TweetBot, if you use TweetBot, it's got its own sort of robotic Twitter sound. Um, I use the email Spark for, for testing recently, and it has its own pleasant sound. I use Group Group Me for my kids' soccer uh, team. And uh, it has its own sound. And so I can hear the alert and I think I hear a little piano chime. And I'm like, oh, that's group me. What's going on with the soccer team? Or, oh, there's a new work email or, um, you know, there's a new tweet. So that doesn't happen on the watch. Instead, what you get is every app has the same tone of ding. Um, so there's no way to distinguish. You can, you can, you know, I think the idea there is that if you're looking at the watch on your hand, you can just turn it over, feel the tap and see what it is. But um, as an audible person, I really like the, the way uh, I can distinguish by sound and also just kind of the whimsiness of, of apps having their own custom sounds. If you use the Apple watch full time, you miss out on that. Unless you get alerted while the phones in your hand, you're looking at it. You're not going to hear that sound. Um, and I think the worst offender on the Apple Watch is just like, if none of this happened, only one thing happened, um, it would be to make a separate sound for mail and messages because, uh, you know, on the iPhone, you get, you, you can set your text tone and then there's a separate tone by default for mail um, on, on the Apple Watch is the same tone, which, you know, the cleverness in the tone is that it's it's like hitting a piece of steel and that's how they recorded it and made the sound. So it's very clever. But once you get past the idea of okay, that's that's the sound of steel being you know tapped by something, um, it's it's frustrating in that oh I have a new sound is it an email you know and, and you may not have every email turned on your watch you might just have VIP but but even if you have that then it's like is that an email or is it a message sounds the same you know what app is that sounds those all sound the same as each other um, and and you so there's just no support for for setting tones um, the defaults overlap each other. Um, and, and even if you wanted to go as far as ringtones, there are two ringtones on the Apple watch, depending on your model. If you've got a cellular model, you've got one ringtone, which was introduced with the series three with LTE. If you don't have a cellular model, then you've got another ringtone <laughs> and you can't choose between the two. Even if you have the, the pricier LTE version, you can't say, Oh, I want the other sound. So, 
Um, these are all things that, as we, we think about the next year of, of making watchOS 9 and iOS 16, um, and we're in the time frame where these ideas can maybe get included, um, I, I think I think these are really reasonable requests, modest requests, and not the kind of things like, I want my Apple Watch to um, you know, project the screen above it, you know, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not sure whether they'd want to impose a second dialogue for every application. Um you know, so you'd have like the notification, this app would like to send you notifications and, and then a separate dialogue for this app would like to send you notifications to your Apple Watch. So that feels like quite a, a heavy cost to bear. In the piece, I also say, I'm not going to do this today, but there is um, sort of a, a lingering desire to have onboarding for apps. You know, I think developers would like this if there were a, a, a native way to say, I want to do notifications, location, um, motion tracking, access to health and have it all on one screen that in you one have screen to have, yeah. yeah with a brief description versus because what happens now is they pop up so fast that sometimes they overlap like one will compete with the other one and for a user it's just like oh what just happened and then you're replying to all these screens so so in this case you know it, it, it that is a serious concern but i would also say that there's a big opportunity even without making that extra screen to improve, to streamline the way that those permissions are presented at that first launch. Yeah, and yeah, no, that's a good point. And even if they didn't want to do like the everything's integrated into one panel, they could even just like amend the notifications dialogue for you know don't allow okay to have a little like toggle inside it for mirror to Apple Watch because they kind of do that for the location alerts now. Like when you get that map that that note that um permissions dialogue that pops up saying this app would like to use your location and it has that map of where your app's trying to use location. In that map screen, there's a little separate control, which is like precise location on or off. And so you could imagine something similar for the uh, notifications dialogue on the iPhone. It would like, obviously it would have to add some more UI, but it would have like inside the main dialogue, it'd have a separate toggle for like mirror this to Apple Watch on or off. So you're still only getting like one dialogue overall, but that dialogue has a bit more flexibility in terms of like granularity of the options. Um, and if they didn't want to do any of that, just an option which defaults on or defaults off mirroring, like you, you know, said, would be a great would be a great option to have. And they could even keep it as it, the status quo of having it default to auto mirror, but you'd know to go into the settings and turn it off if you don't want it. Because, like, my general advice to anybody buying an Apple Watch is you have to be selective about the notifications. Like, I don't know how you can sanely use an Apple Watch where every notification that pops up in your iPhone is also getting mirrored to your watch, like. Plus I, I I I I I know some people you know restrict it to literally like zero notifications. I go not that to that extreme, but I severely limit to you know the three or four apps that I really really care about. Um, and I wish Apple would go further with offering you know more fine grained control, so apps could say like only allow direct messages through, but not group chats, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And mm-hmm. Apple yeah. does some of that for its own first party apps, but APIs for third parties to offer that same level of granularity aren't available still um in terms of sent mirroring to the apple watch specifically right into like having a different set of notifications go to the iphone versus the watch per app on a per app basis uh but a very easy level one simple setting which is you know automatically mirror notification to apple watch for for new apps it could default to on you turn it off and then it doesn't do it you have to go in and manually enable it if you want it and and that would just make it much more sane yeah they have the setting for installing apple watch apps so if your iPhone app has an Apple Watch version, 
you can, by default, always install the Apple Watch version, or you can say, I don't want to ever install the Apple Watch version by default. I'll, I can go back and do it later. That's that's possible. They need that for alerts, though. Same model. Yeah, notification handling in the Apple Watch is such a core functionality of the smartwatch and actually enjoying it rather than like being annoyed by it. But Apple has been pretty remiss in providing amount of functionality even though if you look at like the iphone they've added so much like complexity to notification management on the iphone and this year they've gone even further with the focus mode stuff but just in terms of like the apple watch itself it never gets the it has never got the attention it needs i don't think and so any new like any basically if you don't change the, the default settings you end up with a bad experience with the apple watch you always like I, I think you always have to customize it and control it and rein it in to actually get an apple watch experience that's good but a default settings experience is just bad and yeah. they need you, to you start with the host turned on something. and you've got to turn it off and, and slowly ramp up i think yep and then finally this week a couple of updates bloomberg said that apple is still working on a multiple device charger uh wireless charger a la air power obviously rep air power but they're still kind of working on something like that that apple wants to eventually release uh Apple imagines a future where all of Apple's major devices can charge each other. So an iPad could charge an iPhone, and then the iPhone could charge AirPods or an Apple Watch. Uh, this has been a long-running rumor, but it's nice to see that it's still in development because I love the idea and promise of AirPower, and I hope they can eventually deliver on a nice product like that. And some competitors have got close, but never quite the full vision. Uh, and the whole reverse charging stuff, we saw that actually like break through in a bit this year by the fact that the MagSafe power bank thing that Apple shipped can be reverse wirelessly charged by the phone, but we're still kind of waiting for them to unlock the full potential of you know reverse wireless charge AirPods or reverse charge with your watch. If you recall, for 2022, there's a lot of rooms going around at the moment that there's going to be a big redesign for the iPad uh, where it's going to get a glass back, right? And as part of that, we're expect well, one of the rumors is that the glass back of the iPad is there to enable reverse wireless charging of an iPhone. So kind of what Mark Gurman's referring to here slightly is the fact that there's going to be a, a major iPad update probably next year that will enable like you can just put your iPhone on the back of the iPad and it will start charging it. Alright, cool. And finally, 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 Bloomberg also say that Apple is warning suppliers that diminishing iPhone 13 demand is occurring. This obviously sets off a load of warning signals of like, oh, nobody wants the iPhone anymore, but I uh, what it kind of gets into really is that Apple thinks that just be- because everything's so, so supply constrained, customers are getting like, well, there's no point ordering an iPhone now because I'm not going to get it for Christmas anyway. So I'm just going to wait and order it, you know, in a few months down the road. Like, I doubt that any tapering in demand is going to be like a permanent thing. It doesn't. It basically Apple just seems to think that because everything's so back ordered, customers have had to just go and buy something else in the meantime. But that doesn't mean that iPhone orders are going to be doomed right i think the iphone 13 has been very strong so is the iphone 12 and over a longer term basis there's nothing currently that signals that's going to change the way i the way i took this and, and you know sort of digested it as is that you always have the holiday quarter as a massive bump for because there's a new iphone but also because it's the holiday quarter and um things are being bought as gifts or you're you know, spending your gift money on one uh, that, that kind of thing, but there are always the, the three quarters that follow, which, which you tend to see the the lower cost iPhones, you know, 
be sold more. And, um, and what I can see here is that you just don't have a holiday quarter. I mean, you have one on the calendar, but you don't have one in the numbers because you're limited by first, how many you can make and then by, um, well, how many you can make is the limit. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and, and so in, in December you're looking at, and this is true of the iPad as well. It's like, you look at buying, certain iPad, a certain iPhone, and you can't. And so you've missed the, the, there's a reason the holiday quarter is the holiday quarter, you know, gifting is, 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 is built in and, um, get into January. It's like, eh, I'm gonna buy, I want to say this for a special occasion, you know, a birthday or, or holiday. So, um, and I, Apple I, even presaged this in the earnings call, right? Cause they yeah. said for the previous quarter, they'd incurred about $6 billion in lower revenue because of supply constraints. And they warned to investors that, that would be higher still for the holiday yeah. quarter. So, yeah. you know, more than $6 billion of product won't be sold because it's just not available to buy. Yeah. In the past, I I, I believe Apple's been limited by how many phones they can make to as the, the, the ceiling for how many they can sell because of, of demand. And this is demand as well, but it's, it's also, it's more than, it's more than that. It's that they, they can't make enough. So, um, and, and, because is it like they could increase their rate if they invested more in, in manufacturing? There's nothing. This is a global problem. Yeah, and they're already manufacturing millions. They're just not able to manufacture, you know, 1.5 million per day. It's just the the factories don't exist to do it. Yeah. So hold your iPhone 13 close. It's special. Uh, all right. That is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. Uh, I do want to give an update. I, if if you subscribe to the um, Apple Podcast subscription version where you pay four ninety nine per month and get the ad free version. Um, I we, we've seen your reports. We hear you that 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 sometimes it appears that ads sneak in there, and that's not our intent at all. Um, and it's not we, us, by the way. We upload the ad free yeah. version, but yeah. the Apple Podcasts app has a bug where sometimes it still serves the ad version to subscribers. So we're yeah, working so- through it. We'll probably contact Apple about it and. Hopefully it'll get sorted out eventually. Yeah, and 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 I, I think we're gonna try a new workflow that that might help work around that. We'll we'll see, but uh, you know, let let us know if you have that. We're sorry about that. Um, really appreciate your support. <laughs> we we continue to have new subscribers to to, to that that feed, and we really appreciate it because it helps support us, Benjamin and I directly. We literally split that revenue half and half, so we appreciate that. And I'll and always thanks for for listening and for supporting our advertisers. And uh, if you have any feedback, you can email us together at happyhour at 905mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMAO. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>